Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more during the Super Bowl than with FanDuel. And new users can bet $5 to win $280 in cash on either team to win. I love FanDuel because it offers great promos for both new users and existing users like me with an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. Plus, I love combining multiple bets from the same game to build same game parlays. So if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Louisiana. New users only, $10 first deposit required, must wager in designated offer market, max bonus $280. Bonus for Tennessee users fulfilled in site credit within 72 hours. Tennessee site credit expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network, action-packed show. Today, in a few minutes, Matt Moore, Action Network's award-winning senior analyst covering the NBA, is going to join us. One of the original bloggers about NBA analytics that he has evolved into a massive column, one of the best sourced reporters in the NBA. He's going to be joined by Jason Timpf, host of the Lakers Tonight podcast, which is a new member of the Volume family. And no one's ever done badly talking about the Lakers in any forum whatsoever. If you said to me, hey, Chad, what is your friend Colin Coward going to talk about during the NFL offseason? I would say he's going to talk about the draft. NFL draft, NFL free agency, and he's going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Even if the Lakers are out of the playoffs, he's going to be talking about what do the Lakers have to do to get back into the playoffs next year. So we're going to be glad to have Jason. But first, enough of my jibber-jabber. 
Simon Hunter is on a world tour. And for people who might see these videos or see what we're doing on the YouTube Action Network, uh, check it out. He's sitting on a freaking balcony in Mexico a week after he was in Cuba. What the freak, dude? Professional better. Explain yourself. Hola, como estas, Chad? I've been all over, Chad. It's, I'm, I'm a little worn out from the sun. People probably think I've been drinking. I'm not. I'm so right. I'm burned to a crisp because I'm a British white guy on the equator. So I put sunscreen on, but I still got burned. It's great, buddy. I mean, life is good. I, I tell people all the time, if you can go 4-0 on sides and totals in the Super Bowl and go 4-1 on your best prop bets, you too can travel the world for three to four weeks. So <laughs> that, that's, that's all it takes in life, Chad. But I always tell you, Chad, my goal in life is to fail up to success. And boy, am I failing down here, hitting on Argentinian and Brazilian women. I'm trying my best, buddy, but I keep striking out. But guess what? I got a lot more weeks down here. So eventually I'm going to hit a home run, hopefully. Explain to me what's going on. Here's how this happens. <laughs> we recorded our last podcast a week ago, Monday. So you said to me and Matt Mitchell, hey, uh, I'm going to be going on vacation, but I'll still be around for the podcast. But you like were secretive about where you were going or how long you'd be gone. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to Cleveland. So have fun. And yet last week you were where? I, I did. I did stop off in Cuba. But I mean, that's like a long, long story. But I literally just went there for a cup of coffee. I did like a night there, then flew out of Havana to where I'm at right now, Cozumel, the island off the coast of Mexico. It's their biggest island. So it's in the Caribbean. It's by like Cancun. It's 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 Mexico's version of Mardi Gras, which is like pretty wild. So it pretty much starts in like two days and it goes for a week here. So it's exactly what you think it is like New Orleans, but it's the Mexican version. So a lot more tequila, a lot more beautiful women from South America and uh, less fat Americans. So I got to tell you, Joe, it's the good life down here. I mean, it's it's crazy how beautiful this place is. And how long are you staying there for? I'm supposed to go to Costa Rica. Um, but I don't want to leave this place now that I'm here because it's so sweet. So I'm either going to Costa Rica next week or the week after, or I'll come back to America and start doing like draft prep in like a week or two. But uh, I'm in no rush. Like I'm definitely going to be down here for the next two weeks. Matt Mitchell, you're working in a fucking basement in Milwaukee. I'm working on the third floor in fucking Hartford, Connecticut. And this guy, he's just living in Mexico for three weeks. Yeah, school's closed today in Milwaukee for an ice storm. But uh, Simon's busy gallivanting around on the equator. I hope he's having the time of his life. He's having fun for all three of us, Chad. He deserves it. You know what? Thank you, Chad. Thank you. No one, it was a long season. It was a long season. You did great. We crushed the Super Bowl. We crushed the playoffs, as we discussed. Now, Simon, because I know at your heart, you are a gambler. And I know that whenever we have guests on the podcast, I know that you read everything on the Action Network. I know that you look yeah. at the app every day. So I know that you are always making bets outside of the NFL. So we're going to have a big reset the conversation for the second half of the NBA season with our very good buddy, Matt Moore, with our new friend, Jason Timpf. Fellas, Matt, good to see you. How are you? Doing well, man. I managed to uh, avoid Cleveland this time. Um, love all-star weekend, but did not think that this was necessarily the best, the best one to go to, uh, for, for various reasons, but, uh, glad this season has been really, really fascinating. I think that the, I don't remember a time when there's been this much up in the air as we leave all-star break in terms of where the value is at for the title for MVP. There's just like a lot of stuff on the board. So it's gonna be a fun second half of the season to talk about Jason, uh, 
host of the Lakers Tonight podcast, new member of the Volume Network. Who the hell are you? Where do you come from? Why do you have a podcast? And why all of a sudden is Colin Cowherd putting it on his network other than the fact it's a Lakers podcast? <laughs> well, I'm uh, pretty close to Mr. Simon. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. So I'm, I could hop in a car and be down there relatively soon. Um, that said, I wish I was in Mexico. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. First of all, thank you so much. Um, to be honest, Twitter started as just like an outlet for me to talk about basketball because my wife and all my friends weren't all really all that into it. And then that kind of spawned into a podcast. And really what took off for us was post-game coverage. There just wasn't a lot of options for immediately after a game to get analysis of games. And so that was kind of our little niche that we found. You know, the guys at the volume, they're a huge believer and, you know, always on and being, being, you know, the instant reaction that's on all platforms. And so that was kind of the target that I went after was instant reactions, quick videos. Even if I didn't have time for a podcast, I tried to record something quick on my phone. I'm just trying to stay you know, the first analysis that was out there, that was kind of what allowed us to find our little foothold. Um, but the gist of it, you know, my goals with the show are to cover the whole league. Lakers tonight is a pathway towards that, that, you know, kind of has the Lakers focus, but that is the end game is to eventually provide that deep dive into the entire NBA. All right. Well, look, there's a lot of NBA to discuss. I'm a massive NBA fan, Matt. I was in Cleveland uh, arrived just before a blizzard on Thursday night. It lasted deep into Friday, canceled my poor kid who was going to join me a Saturday and then Sunday. His flights on both days were canceled, getting into Cleveland to attend the festivities those nights. Uh, so definitely was a challenge weather-wise. But for this conversation, I do think the way they do the All-Star game now is amazing. And that fourth quarter is phenomenal. It's the best pickup basketball you'll ever see. And LeBron James scored the game-winning shot. So they are, I think that the Lakers heading into the All-Star break were ninth in the Western Conference. They uh, would be in a play-in game. They'd have to win two games. Jason, you're the Lakers expert. Is this a team that like can get there? Is this a team that they didn't make a move at the All-Star, at the trade deadline? Um, LeBron very specifically said he thought Sam Presti was the MVP of the Oklahoma City Thunder because of moves they've made and drafts they've done. He wore a, uh, or he commented on Les Snead's uh, fuck the picks t-shirt from the Rams because they went all in. What's the Lakers mindset right now? Are we buying the Lakers? It's a total shit show for lack of a better term. When you end up this far below 500 with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, it's impossible to look at one specific thing. So it would take me a half hour to break down all the different ways that this goes, that this went wrong. The easiest and simplest way that I could describe it. And it's been a lesson for me as a basketball fan and as a basketball analyst to, to, to learn this season, but just how important it is, especially in the modern NBA with how spaced out the game is for you to have role players who can keep people in front especially on the perimeter and that are willing to do the dirty work. And I vastly grossly underestimated that coming into the season. Cause I didn't love the off season at all. I hated the rust deal. I was begging for them to sign a bigger wing. I thought it was asinine that they thought Trevor Ariza and Carmelo Anthony were enough for them on the wing to cover for all of the roles that, you know, Kyle Kuzma and Alex Caruso and KCP filled. But that said, I was like, Hey, we got LeBron and AD. And these two, when they're on the floor and they can finish a game together in the previous two seasons, won nearly 80% of their games. They were a devastating duo. And it's gotten so bad that this year's Lakers team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the floor 
has performed worse by net rating than last year's Lakers team did with LeBron and Anthony Davis off the floor. And so it's been a great wake up call for like kind of a shift the league is taking away from, you know, how dominant star power can be. And I've learned a lot in the, in the process that said, simply put, they do not have enough talent to win this year, even if LeBron and Anthony Davis play at the absolute peak of their games. So they would have to hit an absolute home run in the buyout market or some sort of weird late season leap from THT or something along those lines to have any chance. And so I think that is why it's turned into such a passive aggressive media fistfight is I think they see the writing on the wall and they know this thing, this particular season is pretty much over. And I wouldn't even be surprised if it gets worse here over the course of the next month, a couple bad losses until you start seeing some quit show up. I'm, I'm, I'm very pessimistic about how the next couple of months are going to go on that front. All right, Matt Moore, I want you to, to respond to Jason on the Lakers, who are, by the way, at 40 to one to win the NBA title. But we're also going to say we spend too much time talking about a team at 40 to one. Is there a Phoenix Suns-like team out there? So I think here's the reason that I, I'm not completely 100% out on the Lakers. Um, I'm not saying like, look, if you're like, I'm going to pit a big bet in an NBA team to win the title. I don't think that the Lakers are in the top eight options. At 42 to one, if you're like, I want to take a flyer, I will say this. They're going to be in the play-in. Their record is good enough. They're going to they're make the play-in. And then they'll face a Clippers team that may have Kawhi Leonard, may not. Ty Lue said it, probably not. May have Paul George, but if Kawhi's not coming back, maybe not. They win that one. They're in the seventh spot. Let's say the Warriors hold on and they get the two seed. Okay, this is – the Warriors are better this year, no question. They're a lot better than they were last year. But this is still fundamentally the same core. Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Draymond Green that the Lakers beat last year in the play-in. They beat them last year. They have the size to counter them. Anthony Davis is a problem for Draymond Green. All right, you get through the two seed. Okay, now you're taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. Inexperienced team, not well-built for a playoff run. They're in that spot. Then you got the Suns, who basically it all comes down to, is Chris Paul going to be healthy? Like, that's a lot of it. The Suns are a step ahead of everybody. Like they, they, By any sort of analysis based off of making the finals last year, being playoff proven, and then how they perform this year, the Suns are a step ahead. But if Chris Paul is not healthy at age 38, then I think there is a window here for them to get knocked off. And if the Lakers have that sequence happen for them, which is pretty reasonable, there's a doorway here. The problem is LeBron's comments this weekend are like, that's disastrous because that's basically LeBron like setting up. It's not my fault. Y'all did this. I'm out. And like, that's concerning on a number of levels. This has been like building. There's just like a lot of conversation in the league circles about tension within the Lakers, about tension between clutch and the front office and the ownership group. It's bad. So I can't feel good about it. If you're asking about who in the, in the league has like the best value in terms of winning the NBA title that can make that kind of a run, I don't think it's anybody that's like outside of the realm of experience. I think you look at a team like the Suns were there last year. They have to be the least that good to make a Suns type run. And I think that there's a lot of options for teams that can make that run, but I still look at the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 650. Defending champion, Brooke Lopez, they still feel like he's going to get back in March They've proven how they match up versus various teams. They've proven they can beat the Suns. To me, Milwaukee is still the best value on the board at plus 650, but I can make an argument for a bunch of teams, which is why I think a lot of it's going to come down to what do the seedings look like? What does the bracket look like when we actually get to April? 
Simon, I know you want to jump in because you have MVP questions. I have a follow-up for um, Matt and Jason, if you want to hop in here too. Uh, it's interesting you say the Bucks to me. Plus 650. So right now the Suns are the Suns and the Warriors are both about plus 410. The Nets are plus six, uh, plus 600. The Bucks plus 650. Then the Sixers right behind them at plus 700. So you look at the deal that uh, Daryl Morey made for James Harden, and you don't think this makes the Sixers a prohibitive favorite coming out of the East ahead of the Nets or ahead of the Bucks? No. You know, I, I think one, we got to see which level, which Harden we get out of this, right? Do we get the 2019 Harden for Houston? That was one of the best players, best offensive players we've ever seen in the NBA. Do we get the version last year who had some injury issues, but was still pretty good as a complimentary player? Do we get the strip club bouncing, <laughs> good time having James Harden of this season? who's still had a hamstring problem for almost over a year, which version are we going to get a Harden? And I don't have a lot of confidence, especially with the miles that are on Harden. I think that that's a real concern. I think losing Seth Curry is going to hurt them more than they realize. They need a secondary ball handler, somebody else who can create. I like Tyrese Maxey. The other thing is when you look at it, there's a bunch of, I think, issues with the Sixers and how they match up with teams like Miami, how they match up with teams like Milwaukee, how they match up with various teams. There's a path for the Sixers, I think, but we've also got a combination of Doc Rivers with multiple 3-1 collapses. Joel Embiid still can't handle a double team in the playoffs. And James Harden, he's got his own history of playoff collapses, so I can't buy in on the Sixers. I still like the Bucs a lot in that matchup, despite the Sixers' big win before the All-Star break. It's you so would agree, though. Go ahead. Sorry, Chad. But you yeah, would you agree, go. Matt, that that's – that's the best move they could have made for Ben with Ben Simmons. Like, oh yeah, there's no there's no other piece out there that fits what we need. Which is again, sorry people, I, I don't mean to say we, but I am a Sixers fan. We're horrible every year. We choke in the second round. I do not like James Harden at all. Like his style of play, it's it's seriously one of my biggest deterrents in NBA. Like as a fan, I just don't like his style. But as a Sixers fan, I just took a zero, which what Ben Simmons was. This man was literally a zero. And I turned it into James Harden, which he has got the miles. He's run down, but I don't know, man. If he can pull up and hit threes for us in the playoffs with Joel Embiid, which you talked about, no player gets doubled more in the NBA. I just think this is a really – this is a sleeper team. Like, this is our – we have Tobias. We have Maxi. Like, this is the best the Sixers are going to have surrounding Joel Embiid, in my opinion, because I feel like, you know, we're not going to be able to afford a good team going forward because we have all these guys paid out, which I know this is last year for Tobias, but – this is really it for me as a Sixers fan. This feels like this is the only year that we can win a championship. Like it's just us and the Bucks. It feels like no one else. I don't trust the Nets. I, I just look, I wonder what your view is on the Sixers team. Like I know you said you don't think they can do it, but for a matchup wise, this is as good as it can get for the Sixers team. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing I wrote after the trade was don't ever doubt Daryl Morey again, ever. Everyone needs to be done doubting Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey runs the game. Daryl Morey for months and we reported on this action. I reported on four different deals that they had turned down of multiple picks. They offered, they when Toronto said, hey, we're interested in Ben Simmons, they said, okay, we want Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, your fourth overall pick, and, and two more picks on top of that. And like straight-faced, and everyone around the league was like, what is Daryl doing? There's no <laughs> way he's going to get returned. There's no way. And what does Daryl Morey do? He walks away with a former MVP. So it's a great deal. I will challenge you on this, though. Simon, I'll say this. You said that this is the best that they're going to have. Wait till this summer. Like, I think next year, 
that's going to be the time to bet the Sixers. Give Maury a summer to be like, all right, I got Harden. I've got Embiid. Let me move to bias. Let me reconfigure, get some more spacing. Because right now, this team's really low on three-point shooting. Harden makes up for a lot of it, but it's all off the bounce, right? I think when you look at what they're going to need to space around Harden and Embiid, they need one more guy. They don't have it. Their three-point rate is still low this season. We'll see what it looks like after Harden. I'm open to being wrong, but I can't get there yet with this team. But I do think this summer, I'm going to be definitely looking at Sixers title features. College basketball championship season is approaching, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel Sportsbook. New customers can place their first college basketball bet risk-free up to $1,000. Bet college basketball any way you like. Personally, I love betting Big Ten games. I'm a proud Indiana alum, and I'm always interested in tasty Hoosiers same game parlays. Plus, when I win, FanDuel pays me my winnings in as little as two hours. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today and sign up with favorites to get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's promo code favorites. Make the college basketball championships mean more on FanDuel Sportsbook. You must be 21 and over in President, Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Call the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Here's what I love about the NBA. The drama is so high school and it's so <laughs> and it's so like something every fan connects to. There's a difference in the way NFL fans talk about the NFL and the drama in the NFL and the way NBA fans talk about it. NBA fans love it, they absorb it, they want to talk about it, they get excited about it. It sort of tickles them a little bit, right? The NFL, people get mad about the drama. They have like, they get pissed off. It gets political. NBA, it's like, does LeBron hate MJ? Does MJ hate LeBron? Because they didn't dap at the 75th anniversary gathering of the players. Jason Timph, give us your take on LeBron and MJ. <laughs> well, first of all, really quickly, I, I hate the drama in the NBA. It's funny because I was actually <laughs> joking around with some of the guys from the volume this morning, like, like, this last couple of weeks for me has been wild because it's been so much drama and I got into this for the basketball and I cannot wait for things to kind of switch back to the basketball because that's why I do this, you know, and, and if there's one silver lining in the Lakers getting eliminated early, it will be that. <laughs> but, but as far as the LeBron and MJ thing, I actually was uh, talking about this with some people on Twitter this morning. I think, I think the biggest thing working against LeBron is MJ's cool factor. You know, it's like it's like the difference between being one of the Avengers and being Thanos. Like MJ was so dominant relative to his peers that there's like an aura that surrounds him, like a mystique. 
And he like he he almost seems like a superhero. Whereas LeBron, while being very clearly the best player of his era, and there is a decent size gap between him and the next guy, it's at least like you can have a conversation. Like Warrior fans will look at you with a straight face and be like, I think Steph was better. You know, like KD fans will look at you in a straight face and say the same thing about KD. No one was saying that about MJ. And that mystique and aura, I think, will always hurt LeBron in the court of public opinion. Uh, that said, LeBron's case, it's a case of variety and longevity. So like, you know, MJ won the same way every time. And one of the things you can point to in LeBron's career is that throughout his career, from the beginning with Larry Hughes and with Zydrinus Ogalowskis to, you know, Mo Williams and Delonte West to the Heatles to the, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love partnership to then after Kyrie left to then they even had a winning record with Brandon, Ingr- with Brandon Ingram and Kuzma and all of them while LeBron was on the floor to then the Anthony Davis partnership. Like you've seen so many different archetypes, archetypes of him too, as like, you know, a, a swing forward to like this point forward to a guy who's played small ball center to a guy that can play point guard, literally like he did for the 2020 Lakers. There's just, there is no player in NBA history that has as unassailable of a winning resume in the sense that I could take any group of basketball players and put him with them and he'll find a way to impact winning with that group. That's going to be his case. MJ's case will always be dominance and LeBron will never, ever be able to touch that level of dominance, like six titles in eight years. That's just, if we saw something like that today, we wouldn't even know how to comprehend it. Like even if Giannis ended up way better than every, we can't even imagine Giannis doing that. Like it's just, it's, that's where the mystique and the aura comes from. And I don't think LeBron will ever be able to overcome that element of it. At this point in the season, you know, as we're sitting here, it sounds like everything's just wide open. I know Joel, a lot of people are hyping up for MVP. Do you guys have favorites? Like when you look at FanDuel that you think there's value being slept on? A couple of long shots where, you know, a couple of these teams make a run. It feels like it's kind of anyone's to grab. And we know how they always want to give it to the new guy. So it definitely feels interesting looking at this MVP list. Like, what are you thinking here, Matt? I spend more time on MVP than I do on anything else in my career. That's like the number one thing that I've, I've spent time on. Um, I voted, I got, I got to finally got to vote on it once in 2017. Uh, and it was amazing. And I, I voted for Harden that year. I do a lot of work on it. I will go through and starting in March and I'll watch every single possession of these guys on both ends of the floor. I think for value, I get to Nikola Jokic at plus 270. I think Giannis at plus 390. And it sounds like I'm a Sixers hater. And I get that. A lot of this is <laughs> if you look at the gap statistically with Giannis and Jokic, and then what they've done for their teams and how good they are on both sides of the floor versus Embiid, and then Embiid only being two games up in the loss column on the Nuggets, and I think a game up on the Bucks. To me, there's just enough variance there to where, I, do I think that the Nuggets can end up with a better record? Yeah, the Nuggets have the 23rd easiest schedule the rest of the way. So they've got a real opportunity, especially getting Jamal Murray back for them to make the kind of run. Tim Bontemps did an, a straw poll for MVP last week. Um, disclosure, I was one of the, the media members polled for that. And he, he asked, you know, for the ballot. And Jokic came away with only three fewer first place votes. And that's despite everything that's gone wrong for the Nuggets this season. No Jamal Murray the whole year. And losing MPJ within the first 10 days of the season. Then losing PJ Dozier, who was a real valuable role player for them. Having the worst bench in the league for basically three months. And we're still at this point. And I just feel like there's this, I don't think voters want to vote for Jokic. I really don't. But I do think eventually 
when you factor in also, and I hate to say this, but Embiid's injury history is always going to be a factor. That's always going to make me nervous. So eventually I do wind up thinking that Jokic has value. I will say this though. Like if you really want to know the, the, the key, like point to get in on it, the Nuggets and the Sixers are going to play a game in March. They're going to play one more game. And if both players are healthy and they go into that game, the winner of that game, I think, secures MVP outright. I'm not even kidding. Even if the Nuggets finish with a better record, I could see if it's within a, a game or two, And but Joel drops 42 on Joker, I think that the Embiid winds up, winds up winning the MVP. That's how big I think that game is. It shouldn't be. I want to be very clear on this. Head-to-head matchup should not be how we determine these things. But I do think that's going to sway enough voters. So if you want, wait for that game and see what the outcome of that game is. And if Joker comes out and throws a triple-double and a win, or if Embiid comes out and drops 42, which Embiid seems much more likely to get up for that game, I think there'll be still be good value. I think you'll, still think you'll get Embiid at a good number relative to what his odds of winning will be after that game. Here's what's amazing. LeBron is having one of the best years he's ever had. And he's not even a part of the MVP conversation in any way at all. Like his odds right now, 150 to one LeBron to win the MVP. Right. And Matt, it's funny. I didn't realize you were part of that straw poll. My kid and I were watching uh, before the all-star break uh, happened. We were watching the Bulls Kings game. And it was another game where DeMar DeRozan, you know, went over 35 points and is on this epic streak of, 35 points, shooting, what, 50%? No one's ever done it. Eight straight games, nine straight games, whatever. And we're debating who should be higher for MVP odds, DeMar or Ja Morant. DeMar's at 20, Ja's at 12. And my kid looks at me and he goes, Dad, it's about the narrative. I'm like, dude, you don't read anything longer than a TikTok caption. How do you (laughs) know what the word narrative means? But to my point, like earlier, that's what makes the NBA so great is like people are so invested in the storylines and the drama. I think it's a tragedy and a travesty of justice, Matt Moore, that the Bulls could end up as the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And you're telling me that DeMar DeRozan at 20 to one is not even going to be a part of the conversation for MVP. Will not be top three. Will not finish top three. Um, A lot of this gets into... Like, I, I, here's what's crazy. I think he will get some, like, I think he will legitimately get some votes. I, I, I'll say this, this year is shaping up to be a real outlier. And I'm debating how much to throw out kind of the work that we've done on trying to establish precedence this year. So like I mentioned, typically when I've looked, I went back and looked at this two years ago during the, the hiatus when we were stuck on COVID going into the LeBron Giannis debate about how often does, does everyone, does the vote split? It never does. It almost never does one player usually gets 80% to 90% of the total available votes. It's crazy how much they get. Like they get a huge percentage of the votes whenever they win. Most of the media tends to coalesce around one guy. And I don't know that's going to happen this year. I think DeMar is going to get some votes because people will look at the game winners and the 30 point performance. I'll say this. um, I think a lot of it with Chicago, when you look at the overall the voting block has changed. Like narrative matters. But if narrative was the only thing that matters, I think that the conversation would be like Joel versus DeMar. Like that's would be the conversation right now. But the voting block has changed. You have more analysts. You have more stats guys. You have greater emphasis on knowing your stuff for a lot of this. The voting block has changed. I think the one of the issues is just that DeMar doesn't stack up numbers wise with these guys. He just doesn't. And the, maybe that's not fair. 
I'm open to that. But Zach Levine's presence on that team and how good he's been, I think you look at the overall performance of the Bulls, they've just had so many injuries, and that's a big reason why. But they have kind of tailed off after an extremely hot start. It's just that everyone else has kind of tailed off with them. I think DeMar is having an amazing season. He's going to finish top five in MVP. If we could bet on over, under for MVP finish, I would take him over jaw. But I do think that there's too many things going against him for him to outdo Joel, Joker, or Giannis at the end of the day. Jason, you're going to yeah, close this so out. I, I think there's a, a, a base set of rules that everyone uses to evaluate who they think is the MVP. And that obviously is different for everybody. We don't have to dig too much into that. However, one, I think one consistent criteria across the board is we want our MVP to be someone who's considered in the conversation for best player in the league. I think that's a big part of why CP3 and Devin Booker haven't gotten a lot of buzz in this department. You know, uh, it's like we're looking at who's the best player on the best team. That's always a big part of it. You know, who's playing the best is always a big part of it. But then that third factor is usually like, if we were picking teams, like who's the first pick, you know, are you in the conversation to be one of those first picks? And that's why you're going to land on the Jokic's, the Embiid's and the Curry's as opposed to, you know, these non-traditional candidates that are on the board. That's why you're not seeing any buzz for those guys. I mean, my, I keep an eye on Steph Curry because he kind of fits a traditional MVP candidacy in the sense that he is the best player on a legitimate, you know, near the top seed. And he really is one strong month, like a really good shooting month from undoing some of the statistical damage that has taken him out of the conversation. But the reality of the situation is, is like, he is absolutely in the conversation for best player in the world. He absolutely is the best player on uh, the second best team in the league right now. He fits all of the, the criteria except for that statistical element. And so at plus 1200, if the dude gets hot and shoots 56% from three on 14 attempts for 20 games, then why is he not, if he finishes at, you know, 27 points per game and right around 40% from three, he just fits all of those traditional boxes. That said, I think Eileen Embiid, I think, you know, one of the biggest things people want to point to the Denver Nuggets as being close to them in the standings and thus kind of lobbing more, you know, uh, uh, energy towards Jokic. And I think people aren't factoring in enough how tough the Eastern Conference is. You know, you play 52 of your 82 games against your own conference. And the Eastern Conference is much tougher top to bottom this year than the West is in a way that hasn't been the case in previous seasons. And so for the, for the Sixers to be where they're at, with how much talent they had on their roster, I think is extremely impressive. So I lean Jokic right now. My value bet would be Steph. All right. This is good, actionable intel. Steph, 12 to 1. Giannis, plus 390. Two longer shot bets for MVP out of the Jokic and Bede conversation. Matt Moore coming out of nowhere, bypassing the Sixers, bypassing the Nets, basically saying the best long shot bet right now to win the NBA title could be the Milwaukee Bucks to repeat at about plus 650. Very important note. If you need more basketball betting intel, go listen to Buckets, go download Buckets, listen to Matt Moore, listen to Raheem Palmer, listen to Brandon Anderson, listen to Dan Titus. The MVP conversation they will have over the next three months will be the best MVP conversation that anybody is having. It will be so interesting about the voting blocks, about the narrative, about the changing face of the voters, about how the conversation is had for who will win MVP. It's fantastic. All things Lakers, Jason Timpf, Lakers Tonight podcast, 
Volume Podcast Network. For Jason, for Matt, thank you boys for coming. For Simon Hunter on his Around the World Tour. I am Chad Millman. Thank you for listening to The Favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Download us from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify. Rate, review, give us five stars. Feedback is a gift. It's review season here at Action Network. Until Thursday, where we will discuss all things NFL Combine. Love you. Love you.